Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. We're down here on sunny, cold Bondi Beach. Uh, you can hear the waves, I hope, crashing a little in the background, and I'm going for an early morning walk. Um, I've only gone 50 metres, um, and now we've got the wind in the microphone, so I apologise for that. Uh, I'll do my best to keep the wind away from it. Uh, I've gone 50 metres and my feet are already numb. <laughs> hey, uh, let me tell you a little story. And uh, it's an important story because uh, it was the source of about a million dollars worth of income for my old consulting business. So I'll tell you that part of the story at the end of it, but here it goes. Bob drives his Porsche into the driveway of his home. He stops, turns off the engine, turns off the lights, and sits for a moment before he goes in the house. The lights are out. He knows, therefore, that his wife is pissed off. That once again, he's home late. He knows his dinner will be cold, sitting on the dining table with a lid over the top. The kids will be asleep and he contemplates the day just past. Bob has a, a business and somebody wants to buy it. He's wondering to himself should he sell? The value of the business is that they've offered is way less than he thinks he could get for it in 12 months. But the cost of this business to his family is way more than he ever expected. Bob is confused. He also has a staff member who wants a pay rise. They've threatened to quit. And it's the second time it's happened if they don't get an increase in pay. Bob looks at it all, sits there contemplating, thinking about the home, thinking about the time he's missing with his kids. He takes the keys out of the car, steps out, locks it, walks in and eats his dinner before going to bed and sliding in next to his now completely asleep or pretending to be asleep wife. There's the story. Now, here's the questionnaire which came attached to the story. And so this story was posted in, a, in an envelope to 10,000 members of Australian, I think it was Institute of Engineers or it was the Chamber of Manufacturers, Victoria, New South Wales. So it was posted out to members. And on the back, it was a, it was a hard uh, uh, paper, so it wasn't just foldable. So it was in a A4 envelope. And on the back was a questionnaire. And all you had to do is fill out the questionnaire with a pen and fax it. <laughs> shows you how old it is and fax that to my office and we'd give you a score and 
tell you, ask, and we'd fax you back our interpretation of it. So we sent out, I think, 10,000 of these things by post. And we got 8,000 replies. Of the 8,000 replies we got, we got 7,000 interested customers. And from 7,000 interested customers, we had to start saying, no thanks, we can't do the work. Because what it was, was a real questionnaire about how well are you running your business? And the questions were so beautifully generic that nearly everybody who had any sort of small business or large business would relate in some way or another to the questions. So here's, let's just go through it step by step. Firstly, arriving home at 8 p.m. to a cold dinner. Well, Bob uh, had to, was asked to choose, the, the, oh, by the way, the, the answers to the questions uh, were A, B, C, D. It wasn't write your own answer. It was, you know, should Bob get home early? Should Bob sell a bit, you know, A, B, C, D? So question one, Bob was getting home late. What should he do? A, leave work and do more work at home. B, uh, suck it up. That's just the way it is. C, decide whether it was worth it to build this business and uh, lose the time with the family. Or D, uh, something else. So the answer was truly Bob needed to suck it up. Now, I know this flies in the face of all the platonic and pl placating uh, metaphors that we use for uh, human development these days, which is, you know, oh, family comes first and we shouldn't compromise the family and things like that. But if you meet anybody in the world who built anything successfully, it came at a cost. And suddenly, out of, out of all this, we want the reward, but we don't want the cost. And it really, uh, it's hard because there's a lot of blame to our parents for not being home on time or not giving us what we want or not being available when we want them to be available and not spending time playing with us when we should have been playing with us. But at the same token, that person, that parent, was building something or doing something, being their career or clumsily as it may be, um, performing their duties in a, in a shop or, or whatever it was. And it's ironic that we should punish them for not being a great parent but celebrate the fact that they did something that was inspiring to them and we we take out the bad part which is uh, being a bad parent we say well I'm going to not do that but at the same token I still want to do the other part which is do something in my life that's really worth worth doing and so poor old Bob was between a rock and a hard place and it was interesting to see the responses for people who had themselves experienced um, the presenteeism of a parent who was you know doing something like a career 
but wasn't fully available for the child. But the child who was answering the question was highly successful. And the highly successful child who was answering the question, who was now a business owner or a manager or part of the Engineers Institute or whatever, only got there because of the income and success of the parent who worked really hard. So it's <laughs> if you think about the irony of the the way, and then when you finally got to work, as we did, with a majority of the people who answered the questions, and we got to at least dialogue with them on the phone, it turns out that there was an incredible ingratitude for what went wrong, but there was very little gratitude for what went right. That parent really worked their ass off, and they put them through uni or put them through school, and their opportunities in life came as a result of the parent's sacrifice of parenting can you do it all the answer is no but nothing's ever missing it just changes in form and so a child is never badly parented a child is always parented and if the parents don't do the parenting, the school teachers do it. And if the school teachers don't do it, the siblings do it. And the school the siblings don't do it, the grandparents do it. One way or another, we get a rounded childhood. And it may not be classical, quintessential, gee whiz, uh, uh, mum and dad got home from work at five o'clock and they made dinner and they washed the dishes and we all played kumbaya around the fireplace at night. Maybe it's not the quintessential way, but every way is unique. We have to be careful bouncing off our judgments of our parents. Bob, sitting in the car, was doing a great job. Uh, his missus wasn't happy about it, but that's another topic. Maybe she's the one that needs a little bit of coaching, not him. The second part of the thing is someone was going to buy his business but not pay full value for it. And of course, this leads directly into the idea of we think what we do is worth more than it's worth. So the, the interesting thing about life is that you meet people who do great things but and they die. But about... Three months after they die, whatever they were doing before they died is being done by somebody else. So actually, whatever we're doing, we think we're so good at it, we think we're so unique at it, we think the world can't live without it. But the truth of the matter is, whether it's parent, partner, consultant, job, business leader, whatever it is, whatever we think we're doing that is so indispensable and unbelievably spectacular about six to eight weeks after we leave the planet through some circumstance someone else is doing the job equally if not better than we were so sometimes we're more like I would think uh, the gum that gets caught in a pipe down your kitchen sink and every now and again you have to put a plunger on the sink and go squish squish and send the, the gunk off the edge of the sidewall so that the pipe gets clean again, so energy flows. And sometimes we become the block because we think we're so self-important. We think we're the only person who can do what we do as a parent, 
as a partner, as a uh, colleague, as a friend, but it's just not the truth. Um, my neighbour right next door to me, father died two days ago. Uh, he was really upset. I just sat quietly in my apartment. I didn't interfere. And all of a sudden, people were coming left, right and centre all over the place to come and give him counsel. Uh, so he didn't miss out on me not being there. Uh, it, didn't, it just changed form. Other people came. His ex-girlfriend turned up, spent a couple of nights there. So if I had have stepped in, maybe those people wouldn't have stepped in. So we can overrate our importance. The next uh, step of this conversation about Bob was <clears throat> he had a beautiful car and was he sitting in his beautiful car out front of the house thinking to himself, wow, I'm so bloody lucky that I've got this beautiful car and the kids are going to bed and I've got, even if it's cold, I've got food on the table and a warm bum to cuddle up to or sleep as it may be. Was he sitting there being thankful for his day or was he sitting there thinking about the 10% of his day that didn't go right. Bob was very much operating out of guilt mode, uh, responding to the pressure and the judgment and the criticism of his wife, who he'd elected to start to, to make happy. And so her unhappiness, which, you know, is a, is a, is a perception, was incredibly... Uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, uncertain. And if there was clarity on Bob that he loved his work and he's doing what, the right thing and he was grateful for what he's got and he's grateful for her and he's grateful for the kids, her uncertainty and her uh, d the decision to darken the house and turn off the front porch light and close the, uh, put the dinner on the table without leaving it in the oven to keep a little bit warm and all the things she was doing to punish him would have become airless, had no value. And bit by bit, she would have exhausted herself as the Pavlovian understanding of human behavior is very clear. If it's not rewarded, it stops. So that's the second thing about Bob. The third thing was the employee who needed money to stay. And uh, the question, in truth, if you really think about it, is was not provided with enough information to answer it. However, threat that we bend to, I'm leaving if I don't get more money, is really, uh, what do you call it, a surface, a conversation on a shallow conversation, a surface conversation. The real question you, what might be asked is to that person who says, if I don't get more money, I'm leaving. You go, the, the, the question might be, what will you do with that money? So is it their self, is it their sense of self and their value that's being, tr tr that's triggering their need for more cash? Or is it a, a poorly, poor investment? Or is it the appetite to do something that you could help them do without actually paying them more money. So the question, you know, tick a box, what should you do with an employee who asks for more money or they're leaving, is far too shallow and um, 
that is not what I said, of course, on the survey form. Uh, what I said on the survey form is don't succumb to manipulative money things from people. If they're discontent, they're going to leave anyway. So that was the answer we gave back in the old days. But if you think about it now, you, you might say to your boss, if you don't pay me more, I'm going to leave. And the boss might think, well, I'll give you more money. But the, the truth of the matter is what, is what it's reflecting is a culture that doesn't make you appreciate the multiple benefits of the job you've got. So, as you know, when you move jobs, you think, oh, there's a green field over there. But then you, and you go, that looks so attractive, that green field. And when you get there, you smell something, and that is manure. It's under the grass, making the grass grow. That's why it's green. And it's that stuff that we don't realize at first is the manure. Did we get to realize about six months down the track? So when a company relies on individuals to appreciate their job, it's a culture that has really uh, become results orientated and forgotten to remind people how bloody lucky they are to work in the job that they've got, how lucky they are to have a bad boss, how lucky they are to work for a company. The, 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 the internal marketing process of the business itself has failed it. My old thing when I, when I was doing the company consulting work was 50% of your advertising budget needs to be spent on your employees because your employees become their energy, their gratitude, their appreciation for their jobs, their appreciation for your product becomes the power, the driving force. There's a lady uh, who visits our building once in a while. We have to wear masks now in the, in the hallway, but there's a lady who visits uh, our building to visit somebody in the, in the, in the, in the block. And uh, when she visits, uh, even with a mask on, you walk past, hi, hi, that's it. After I walk past her, I have to sit down for 10 minutes to get my energy back. She, we, her nickname is Dyson the vacuum cleaner but you just have to get anywhere near this person to to feel drained from her energy and it's just a vacuum cleaning energy it sucks she's a yoga teacher she's not my mate the yoga teacher Eileen she's a, a visitor to another apartment but my god if you went to her yoga class you'd end up very relaxed because you wouldn't have any energy to do much else so I think the energy of people in your business is your responsibility to remind those people how bloody lucky they are and how grateful they should be and can be for working for a company like yours. And that's internal marketing. That's internal marketing. And when you do a good vision of a business, a good vision mission statement, and stick it up on the wall, that's why we use the seven areas of life, to make sure that each person's value system is addressed in a vision which means they can be grateful for working for the company because it's not just we are the best supplier of Coca-Cola in the world. It can be we donate money to charity or we look after people in third world or we have equal opportunity employment systems. And those, what they call value sets, which I call vision sets, which is what we want to do with, what we've, what, with the resources we've got, become internal marketing. And they're very important. And if it's ignored people start saying, well, all that's left here is for me to think about what's wrong and ask for money for, uh, ask for money for, to stay. Because there's always going to be, 
employment is more like a sports star these days. If you see sports stars in soccer or anything in Europe, they're always being bought uh, to new companies and being paid a fortune to move compared to where they were. And so quite often we get undervalued in the business financially and the only way we're going to get more money is to move companies and that is the American paradigm now with, uh, with um, uh, job security. They say people are moving, used to move three times in a, in a lifetime, a career. Now they're moving between eight and 12 times in their career, different jobs. And it's how you leapfrog pay rise. Um, the cost of the leapfrogging of pay rises, very often the, the people who leapfrog pay rises get paid more to do more, but can't. They can only do what they used to do, and so they, then they start complaining after a little while that the company is asking them to do too much with too little. And that's what evolution of the co coaching we do is, is to prepare you to, to, to get more done in less time so that you can ask for more money to do more in the same time. And that's uh, ultimately, if your productivity is stagnant and you're approaching the way you do things the same way you did last year, you're stuck. And uh, yes, you may find someone to pay you more, but you will not be able to generate more in less time. And therefore, all you'll use is time to earn more money. And when you sell time for money, you sell, uh, uh, you, you sell your soul. So what we're trying to do is to get more done in less time so we get paid more for the same time. And uh, the, that would be the answer to Bob's dilemma about getting home at eight o'clock. Uh, we would have to look at the efficiency and the effectiveness of the way he's approaching his work and has it evolved in the last three years? And the answer will typically be no, it hasn't. He's just earning more money from spending more time selling his soul. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.